0: The Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style, from a wide variety of life circumstances, all the way from palace thrones and bedrooms, to the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountain tops. And to the backsides of dry desert wasteland. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most-translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of a Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. here we are thanking you for being along with us tonight for the Bible Live program. Welcome aboard. Tonight we'll continue our way through the book of 1 Chronicles. We're talking about the reign of King David right now in the book of the Chronicles. We're looking at Israel as a type of the church, the earthly covenant that God had with an earthly people that we come to know as Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, thus the children of Israel. Israel, which means those who wrestled with God. So we see God giving an earthly example through and with this people of his dealings, of his salvation, of his redemptive plan for all of humanity. And so we get a very beautiful view from God's dealings. Right now, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. Psalm 80. Please listen, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Israel like a flock. O God, enthroned above the cherubim, display your radiant glory to Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Show us your mighty power. Come to rescue us. Turn us again to yourself, O God. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will you be angry and reject our prayers? You have fed us with sorrow and made us drink tears by the bucketful. You have made us the scorn of neighboring nations. Our enemies treat us as a joke. Turn us again to yourself, O God Almighty. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. You brought us from Egypt as though we were a tender vine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. You cleared the ground for us, and we took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with our shade. The mighty cedars were covered with our branches. We spread our branches west to the Mediterranean Sea, our limbs east to the Euphrates River. But now why have you broken down our walls so that all who pass may steal our fruit? The boar from the forest devours us, and the wild animals feed on us. Come back, we beg you, O God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see our plight. Watch over and care for this vine that you yourself have planted, this son that you have raised for yourself. For we are chopped up and burned by our enemies. May they perish at the sight of your frown. Strengthen the man you love, the son of your choice. Then we will never forsake you again. Revive us so we can call on your name once more. Turn us again to Yourself, O Lord God Almighty. Make Your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. End of reading, Psalm 80. I will enter His gates with that. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We're going to pick up in First Chronicles chapter 21 tonight. That's where we left off. We are in the reign of King David. This is a select history that Ezra the scribe, a priest, has put together. Ezra has come back with a number of thousands who made their way back from the Babylonian exile, primarily from the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, the southern tribes, but others involved as well. These are men and women who made that 900 to 1,000-mile journey all the way back and reoccupied the land of Israel, the land that had been given to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when Abraham went over in the first place, but then when they came out of the 400 years of bondage and slavery in Egypt as well. Ezra has written this history to those who are returning, all of them, I assume, born in exile, born in Babylon, so they need to be reminded of who they are. This comes at such a good time for us as Americans because we are going to, through a period of reevaluation. America is having to decide in these days that you and I are living, America is deciding again what kind of nation we will be. Our traditional values and foundations are being attacked, are being thrown overboard, are being discarded by those in the political world and those in our society who do not want that legacy, that relationship that we have as a nation, uh, traditionally, historically, with God is part of our cultural reality. We are going through somewhat what Israel went through. Even in our psalm tonight, it was a prayer for revival and restoration after a time of destruction and decline. So uh, these are very relevant to us tonight. Now we're going to pick up, as I said, in First Chronicles chapter 21. Again, we're in the time of David Starting out with the time that David take a census, that he should not have been taking that census, and we'll hear about it on the Bible Life. first Chronicles 21-1 through 24-31, Chronicles 21. Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take a census of the Israelites. David gave these orders to Joab and his commanders, take a census of all the people in the land, from Beersheba in the south to Dan in the north, and bring me the totals so I may know how many there are. But Joab replied, May the Lord increase the number of his people a hundred times over. But why, my Lord, do you want to do this? Are they not all your servants? Why must you cause Israel to sin? But the king insisted that Joab take the census. So Joab traveled throughout Israel to count the people. Then he returned to Jerusalem and reported the number of people to David. There were 1,100,000 men of military age in Israel and 470,000 in Judah. But Joab did not include the tribes of Levi and Benjamin in the census because he was so distressed at what the king had made him do. God was very displeased with the census, and he punished Israel for it. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly and shouldn't have taken the census. Please forgive me for doing this foolish thing. Then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer. This was the message. Go and say to David, This is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. "'Choose one of these punishments, and I will do it.' So Gad came to David and said, "'These are the choices the Lord has given you. "'You may choose three years of famine, three months of destruction by your enemies, "'or three days of severe plague, "'as the angel of the Lord brings devastation "'throughout the land of Israel. "'Think this over, and let me know "'what answer to give the Lord.' "'This is a desperate situation,' David replied to Gad, "'but let me fall into the hands of the Lord, "'for his mercy is very great.' Do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel, and 70,000 people died as a result. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But just as the angel was preparing to destroy it, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, Stop! That is enough! At that moment the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Araunah the Jebusite. David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with his sword drawn, stretched out over Jerusalem. So David and the leaders of Israel put on sackcloth to show their distress and fell down with their faces to the ground. And David said to God, I am the one who called for the census. I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these people are innocent. What have they done? O oh Lord my God, let your anger fall against me and my family. But do not destroy your people. Then the angel of the Lord told Gad to instruct David to build an altar to the Lord at the threshing floor of Araunah the Jebusite. So David obeyed the instructions the Lord had given him through Gad. Araunah, who was busy threshing wheat at the time, turned and saw the angel there. His four sons, who were with him, ran away and hid. When Araunah saw the king approaching, he left his threshing floor and bowed to the ground before David. David said to Araunah, Let me buy this threshing floor from you at its full price. Then I will build an altar to the Lord there, so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my Lord, and use it as you wish, Araunah said to David. Here are oxen for the burnt offerings, and you can use the threshing tools for wood to build a fire on the altar. And take wheat for the grain offering. I will give it all to you. But the king replied to Araunah, No, I insist on paying what it is worth. I cannot take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not offer a burnt offering that has cost me nothing. So David gave Araunah six hundred pieces of gold in payment for the threshing floor. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And when David prayed, the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offering on the altar. Then the Lord spoke to the angel who put the sword back into its sheath. When David saw that the Lord had answered his prayer, he offered sacrifices there at Araunah's threshing floor. At that time, the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar that Moses made in the wilderness were located at the hill of Gibeon. But David was not able to go there to inquire of God because he was terrified by the drawn sword of the angel of the Lord. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Chronicles 22 Then David said, This will be the location for the temple of the Lord God and the place of the altar for Israel's burnt offerings. So David gave orders to call together the foreigners living in Israel, and he assigned them the task of preparing blocks of stone for building the temple of God. David provided large amounts of iron for the nails that would be needed for the doors in the gates and for the clamps, and more bronze than they could ever weigh. He also provided innumerable cedar logs. For the men of Tyre and Sidon had brought vast amounts of cedar to David. David said, My son Solomon is still young and inexperienced, and the temple of the Lord must be a magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the world. So I will begin making preparations for it now. So David collected vast amounts of building materials before his death. Then David sent for his son Solomon and instructed him to build a temple for the Lord the God of Israel. I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, David told him. But the Lord said to me, You have killed many men in the great battles you have fought. And since you have shed so much blood before me, you will not be the one to build a temple to honor my name. But you will have a son who will experience peace and rest. I will give him peace with his enemies in all the surrounding lands. His name will be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel during his reign. He is the one who will build a temple to honor my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and give you success as you follow his instructions in building the temple of the Lord your God. And may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding that you may obey the law of the Lord your God as you rule over Israel. For if you carefully obey the laws and regulations that the Lord gave to Israel through Moses, you will be successful. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or lose heart. I have worked hard to provide materials for building the temple of the Lord. Nearly 4,000 tons of gold, nearly 40,000 tons of silver, and so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. I have also gathered lumber and stone for the walls, though you may need to add more. You have many skilled stonemasons and carpenters and craftsmen of every kind available to you. They are expert goldsmiths and silversmiths and workers of bronze and iron. Now begin the work, and may the Lord be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to assist Solomon in this project. The Lord your God is with you, he declared. He has given you peace with the surrounding nations. He has handed them over to me, and they are now subject to the Lord and his people. Now seek the Lord your God with all your heart. Build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you can bring the ark of the Lord's covenant and the holy vessels of God into the temple built to honor the Lord's name. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Chronicles 23 When David was an old man, he appointed his son Solomon to be king over Israel. David summoned all the political leaders of Israel together with the priests and Levites for the coronation ceremony. All the Levites who were 30 years old or older were counted, and the total came to 38,000. Then David said, 24,000 of them will supervise the work at the temple of the Lord. 6,000 are to serve as officials and judges. 4,000 will work as gatekeepers, and another 4,000 will praise the Lord with the musical instruments I have made. Then David divided the Levites into divisions named after the clans descended from the three sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The Gershonite family units were defined by their lines of descent from Libni and Shimei, the sons of Gershon. Three of the descendants of Libni were Jehiel, the family leader, Zetham, and Joel. These were the leaders of the family of Libni. Three of the descendants of Shimei were Shelomith, Haziel, and Haran. Four other descendants of Shimei were Jahath, Ziza, Jehush, and Bariah. Jahath was the family leader, and Ziza was next. Jehosh and Bariah were counted as a single family because neither had many sons. The descendants of Kohath included Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel. The sons of Amram were Aaron and Moses. Aaron and his descendants were set apart to dedicate the most holy things, to offer sacrifices in the Lord's presence, to serve the Lord and to pronounce blessings in His name forever. As for Moses, the man of God, his sons were included with the tribe of Levi. The sons of Moses were Gershom and Eliezer. The descendants of Gershom included Shebuel, the family leader. Eliezer had only one son, Rehobiah, the family leader. Rehobiah had numerous descendants. The descendants of Eshar included Shelomith, the family leader. The descendants of Hebron included Jeriah, the family leader, Amariah, the second, Jehaziel, the third, and Jechemaim, the fourth. The descendants of Uziel included Micah, the family leader, and Eshiah, the second. The descendants of Merari included Mali and Mushi. The sons of Mali were Eleazar and Kish. Eleazar died with no sons, only daughters. His daughters married their cousins, the sons of Kish. The three sons of Mushi were Mali, Eder, and Jeremoth. These were the descendants of Levi by clans, the leaders of their family groups registered carefully by name. Each had to be twenty years old or older to qualify for service in the house of the Lord. For David said, The Lord, the God of Israel, has given us peace, and he will always live in Jerusalem. Now the Levites will no longer need to carry the tabernacle and its utensils from place to place. It was according to David's final instructions that all the Levites, twenty years old or older, were registered for service. The work of the Levites was to assist the priests, the descendants of Aaron, as they served at the house of the Lord. They also took care of the courtyards and side rooms, helped perform the ceremonies of purification, and served in many other ways in the house of God. They were in charge of the sacred bread that was set out on the table, the choice flour for the grain offerings, the wafers made without yeast, the cakes cooked in olive oil, and the other mixed breads. They were also responsible to check all the weights and measures. And each morning and evening they stood before the Lord to sing songs of thanks and praise to Him. They assisted with the burnt offerings that were presented to the Lord on Sabbath days, at new moon celebrations, and at all the appointed festivals. The proper number of Levites served in the Lord's presence at all times, following all the procedures they had been given. And so, under the supervision of the priests, the Levites watched over the tabernacle in the temple and faithfully carried out their duties of service at the house of the Lord. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. First Chronicles 24 This is how Aaron's descendants, the priests, were divided into groups for service. The sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father did, and they had no sons. So only Eleazar and Ithamar were left to carry on as priests. With the help of Zadok, who was a descendant of Eleazar, and of Ahimelech, who was a descendant of Ithamar, David divided Aaron's descendants into groups according to their various duties. Eleazar's descendants were divided into sixteen groups, and Ithamar's into eight, for there were more family leaders among the descendants of Eleazar. All tasks were assigned to the various groups by means of sacred lots, so that no preference would be shown, for there were many qualified officials serving God in the sanctuary from among the descendants of both Eleazar and Ithamar. Shemaiah son of Nethanel, a Levite, acted as secretary, and wrote down the names and assignments in the presence of the king, Zadok the priest, Ahimelech, son of Abiathar, and the family leaders of the priests and Levites. The descendants of Eleazar and Ithamar took turns casting lots. The first lot fell to Jehoiarib. The second lot fell to Jediah. The third lot fell to Harim. The fourth lot fell to Seorim. The fifth lot fell to Malkijah. The sixth lot fell to Mijamin. The seventh lot fell to Hakoz. The eighth lot fell to Abijah the ninth lot fell to Jeshua the tenth lot fell to Shechaniah, the eleventh lot fell to Eliashib the twelfth lot fell to Jakim the thirteenth lot fell to Huppah the fourteenth lot fell to Jeshabiab the fifteenth lot fell to Bilga, the sixteenth lot fell to Emer the seventeenth lot fell to Hezir the eighteenth lot fell to Hapizez the nineteenth lot fell to Pethahiah. the twentieth lot fell to Jehazkel The twenty first lot fell to Joachim. The twenty second lot fell to Gamul. The twenty third lot fell to Delaiah. The twenty fourth lot fell to Maaziah. Each group carried out its duties in the house of the Lord according to the procedures established by their ancestor Aaron in obedience to the commands of the Lord the God of Israel. These were the other family leaders descended from Levi. From the descendants of Amram, the leader was Shebuel. From the descendants of Shebuel, the leader was Jediah. From the descendants of Rehabiah, the leader was Ishiah. From the descendants of Ishar, the leader was Shelomith. From the descendants of Shelomith, the leader was Jahath. From the descendants of Hebron, Jariah was the leader. Amariah was second in command. Jahaziel was third. And Jechamayim was fourth. From the descendants of Uziel, the leader was Micah. From the descendants of Micah, the leader was Shamir, along with Ishiah, the brother of Micah. From the descendants of Ishaiah, the leader was Zechariah. From the descendants of Merari, the leaders were Mali and Mushi. From the descendants of Jahaziah, the leader was Beno. From the descendants of Merari through Jahaziah, the leaders were Bano, Shoham, Zakur and Ibri. From the descendants of Mali, the leader was Eleazar, though he had no sons. From the descendants of Kish, the leader was Jarameel. From the descendants of Mushi, the leaders were Mali, Adair and Jerimoth. These were the descendants of Levi and their various families. Like the descendants of Aaron, they were assigned to their duties by means of sacred lots, without regard to age or rank. It was done in the presence of King David, Zadok, Ahimelech, and the family leaders of the priests and the Levites. End of reading, 1 Chronicles 21.1-24.31 You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Some details given here about the priests, the duties of the priests. Remember now that Ezra is putting this together for people who have been out of this process for a long time. The temple was destroyed in 586, was rebuilt by 515 B.C., Now this is being written with them in mind to help them review and restore and renew their understanding of how the temple and the worship of God should proceed there in Jerusalem. These tasks were defined for both the Levites and the priests. Remember, all priests had to be Levites, but not all Levites were priests. Both the priests and the Levites came from the tribe of Levi, but the priests also had to be descendants of Aaron, Israel's first high priest, if you remember from back in the book of Exodus. Priests were authorized to perform the sacrifices, while the Levites were set apart to help the priests, like deacons, administrators, and janitors, and that sort of thing, musicians even, moving men, repairmen. Priests and Levites were supported by Israel's tithes and by revenues from certain cities that had been given to them. Worship in the house of the Lord could not have taken place without the combined efforts of the priests and the Levites as they worked together to serve the people, to serve the nation in this very crucial, important way. Now, the temple service was highly structured here. You could see the priests came on in shifts, and then later on, the musicians as well. Twenty-four groups of priests served two-week shifts each year in the house of the Lord. The rest of the time, they served in their hometowns. This system was still in place in the time of Jesus. Remember, Zachariah, John the Baptist's father, was a member of the Abijah division. It was during his shift at the temple that an angel appeared to him and predicted that he would have a son to be named John. So, these details, you can see how important they were in service. And, of course, it's a reminder to us in our congregations and churches how important it is each of our tasks if we help with administration or in the children's department or if we're a Sunday school teacher or we're deacons, administrators or custodians, helping with parking. All of these functions facilitate true and genuine worship of God so that people, as they come together, can focus their hearts and minds on just seeking God's face And worshiping him. Now, this census has often been something that confuses people. Taking a census was not against the law, the Mosaic law. God himself had at times instructed that a census be taken. The book of Numbers gets its name from the two census that God instructed them to take. However, it seemed to be very clear and general knowledge that this census that David was taking was wrong. Three very quick ideas came to my mind as I listened again in my notes. I'll never be able to get these out, but I'm going to give it a shot. One, David and the census. David probably misplacing his faith and putting his faith in the military. We know how divisive a census can be. Notice that the tribes of Benjamin and Levi were not counted. There might have been some politics involved in this as well, but this was a very terrible thing for David to do. But he acknowledged his sin and he received forgiveness, which is the way of David. He was willing to admit when he was wrong. Secondly, the value of the military. I just want to point that out, how important the military was. The Bible never looks down on the role of soldiers, men of arms. And finally, this land for the temple. When David bought from Aurana this land to build the temple, he said, I will not offer God something which costs me nothing. What a concept. It's to be from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com.